Hello, everyone, and welcome back aboard. Uh, Caleb and I are so excited to share with you today a little bit more about the back nine at Augusta National, or as the Augusta National Golf Club refers to it, the second nine. So uh, you often hear the expression, the Masters doesn't start until the back nine on Sunday. And you could say the same about our podcast, except for the fact that our first nine video is also amazing. So be sure to check that out as well as this second nine one. Uh, Caleb, really excited to get going, and uh, thanks for hopping on board. Thank you for joining us, Caleb. Uh, any any initial thoughts, kind of after reviewing the the first nine as we as we move over here to the back nine? Just you know, what are your thoughts on Augusta National? Uh, what are you hoping to see more of in the back nine? Obviously, you know a bit about it, but I'm um, just curious to see what what you're kind of on the lookout for based on what we saw on the first nine holes. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it already. The tournament doesn't start until the second nine on Sunday. Um, I think I can picture every hole um, on the on the second nine. Pretty clearly, with the exception of maybe 14 and 17 are probably the, the least memorable in my mind. But every other hole, I can picture at least a few shots from tournaments over the years. Um, so, you know, this is a, a, a very, very well-designed nine holes, and we'll get into that. But it's also a, a great viewing experience and, and uh, produces a, a ton of drama for a, a great tournament. You know, Caleb, you mentioned numbers 14 and 17. I'm not convinced they're not the same exact hole. I'm just saying I've never seen them in the same place at the same time. And uh, those, those holes look really similar to me, and they play similar. And, uh, yeah, those are probably the least distinct ones, but pretty much everything else is is insanely awesome on the second nine. So I'm looking forward to, to jumping right in. You know, that's, that, a take, that's a take, Drew, that I, I will completely agree with. Uh, very, visually very similar. Yeah. Basically the same tee shot, I think, is what it what it boils down to. But uh, we will get to that very shortly. Uh, but we will start off first with number 10. Uh, and so you can see right here, uh, you can see the approach shot in, on our visual part here into number 10, uh, known as Camellia. That's the flower it's named after. If you guys didn't watch our first nine video, every single hole at Augusta National is named for a plant on the property, a flowering plant on the property. And uh, Camellia was lucky enough to be the flower for number 10. Uh, so number 10, one of the more unique holes at Augusta National. Obviously, you're seeing the approach shot here, and that's pretty unique with such a large bunker in the middle of the fairway. Uh, but I think the tee shot is kind of the most important shot on number 10. And that's because, like number two, it's a really, really hard dog leg to the left. And it's definitely an even harder dog leg than number two. So you'll very rarely see players hit driver off this tee box because you just run out of room across the fairway on that right side very quickly. Uh, so the goal, you'll see a lot of players hitting three woods, which is a club generally players feel more comfortable they can hit a draw with, or in this case, hit a big hook with. So a lot of times you'll see players start it, and they're trying to really hook this ball 30 to 40 yards in some situations to land it on the downslope and get it as close to the bottom of the hill as they can uh, to have a shorter approach shot into the green because you do run out of space again very quickly on the right side of the hole if you hit your tee ball too straight. So trying to hug that left side as much as possible um, Caleb, you mentioned it a bit at the end of our previous video for the front nine. It's so important at Augusta National to try and get the flattest lie in the fairway you possibly can because there's so many slopes out here. It's hard to get a flat lie. Uh, really, players will try and get down the left half of this hole as much as possible because that is much flatter than the right side. So even if you're in the fairway, 
there's definitely a preferred side and that is the left side. And it opens up, as you can see, looking at this approach shot here, a bit of an angle into the screen uh, just for players to have opportunities there. Uh, one other thing I'll mention about this, about this hole is this big bunker you see in the middle of the fairway. It's kind of an iconic bunker. You oftentimes see players hitting their second shots over it onto the green. That bunker used to be where the green was. So when Augusta National was first built and designed, uh, the green was where that bunker is. And now the green's a good 60 to 70 yards beyond that as the course has lengthened and changed over time. But uh, it's interesting. Sometimes you see players, I know a few years ago, Rory got a drive all the way down the hill, sort of near this bunker. And one of the commentators made the point that, you know, if this was 1934, Rory would have just uh, driven the green. And obviously won't see players driving the green on a 500 yard par, par four, but it does play downhill and you can take off a lot of that yardage if you hit a good, a good tee shot. But if your tee shot does not catch the slope and get all the way down the hill, you know, I've seen players hit as much as, you know, five iron, four iron, three iron into the screen um, if they're not able to get down the hill. But if you get down the hill, you're giving yourself, you know, a much more reasonable chance at birdie. But um, definitely not, definitely not a birdieable hole. Uh, again, Caleb, I'll bring it up of, of players with at least five Masters appearances in their career. Only one player has played this hole under par for his career. Caleb, can you guess who that is? Uh, is it Phil Mickelson? It's not Phil Mickelson, but it's another Masters champion, someone who tends to play well at Augusta year over year. Um, I don't know. Jordan Spieth has a career scoring average of 3.88 on this hole. So he's the only one, only one under par. So, uh, Caleb, any additional thoughts or color to add here on number 10? I know there's some great Masters memories in this hole. I think of Bubba Watson. Uh, I was just about to tell the Bubba Watson story. Yeah, I, I would I would love if you shared a bit more about that because that was incredible. Yeah, so Bubba Watson on this, the second playoff hole, I believe it was 2012, um, hit his tee shot way right um, to the point where he did not have a shot at the green. He he was pretty far down the fairway, way left in the in the woods, pine straw lie. And he hits this amazing, like, I mean, it had to be a, a, a complete snap hook. The, the shot must have taken a complete 90-degree turn um, out, of, out of that lie and, and hit the green, and he was on the green in two. It, it might be one of the, the best shots that we've ever seen at Augusta National, especially considering the, the circumstances, a, a playoff hole. Uh, it was a year that he won the Masters. Um, so that's, that's probably my, my favorite memory from this hole. Yeah, Caleb, when I went to the masters with my dad, the following year, you know, when we got to number 10, we made a beeline to the spot where Bubba hit the shot from and actually standing there, I, I can't even express how insane of a shot that was because the amount he had to hook it would have been so hard with any club, let alone a sand wedge, which is what he hit. And, you know, wedges are the hardest clubs to hook uh, in the bag just because there's so much loft on them. So that was an unbelievable shot and uh, one that I can replay in my mind, you know, 12, 11 years later and, uh, and remember it very clearly. So one of the, one of the best master's moments of all time without, without a doubt. All right. We will move on then from number 10 to number 11 and holes 11, 12, and 13 at Augusta national are known as Amen corner. Uh, they are known as Amen Corner, uh, not because there's anything spiritual about them, but rather because uh, I forget who it was, a, a, a former player, you know, made a comment in the early years of the Masters, like, man, you get through 11, 12, and 13 and with, with a decent score and 
you're kind of just saying amen once you're done with those holes. You don't need to play them anymore. Uh, and you can definitely see it, I think, especially with holes 11 and 12, you'll see are are pretty difficult. So uh, I'll start off with number 11. Uh, number 11 is a 505-yard par 4 and is known as White Dogwood. Uh, number 11 is the longest par 4 on the course. Um, and it's a hole that's changed a lot in recent years. Uh, you know, number 10 historically has been the most difficult hole at Augusta National uh, year over year. Uh, but number 11 in recent years, I know for sure in 2018, and I think maybe in 2021, I have to check the number on 21, but uh, it's played as the hardest hole in the course and consistently is, you know, among the top five hardest holes of the course. And a part of that's just due to the length, you know, players can hit a drive, you know, down there. The second shot does play a little bit downhill, but, you know, the hole's over 500 yards. So you're oftentimes seeing players still hit, you know, four iron, five iron, six iron into the screen. Uh, and when you're hitting into the green, there's not really a lot of great places to miss. Because uh, as you can see, looking at the approach shot here on the visual we have on Spotify and YouTube, you know, there's a big pond to the left of the green, which obviously you don't want to go in. And there are sort of mounds and a lot of open space off to the right. But the green is a little bit elevated and there's some mounding on the right side of the green to the point where if you hit your shot way right of the green, you kind of have to hit a delicate pitch shot sort of through or over or around the mounds. And that can get dicey pretty quick because if you have a little too much speed come off that mound, we've seen balls roll across the green back into the water on the left side. Um, so it's a relatively generous tee shot. You got, again, like a lot of tee shots at Augusta National, there's space to hit it. There's areas to bail out. On the approach shot, you can also bail out to the right, but it's not really an easy pitch if you bail out to the right side. So there's just not really a lot of places for players to hit the ball here. Uh, Caleb, I, I don't know what your thoughts are. I honestly was a, not really a fan when they lengthened this hole. I know watching the Masters when I was younger, I think this hole provided a bit more of that balance of risk reward, a chance to make birdie uh, in a more meaningful way than we see the current iteration of the hole actually doing. Um, and I know we talked a lot about how Gus National is so great, partly because you can make, you know, eagle or double on every hole. And this is another hole where I just think the birdie opportunities are so limited and the downside risk is, is very high. So I like this hole, but I'm disappointed with some of the more recent changes as far as adding lengths. But I do like the decision. They took out some trees last year on the right side of this hole, uh, which I think clears up some more angles for the approach shot, which might make it a bit more birdieable than we've seen kind of in, you know, the past 10 years. Uh, but, but I don't know. I, I think I still have complicated feelings about number 11. What are your thoughts, Caleb? Yeah, I would say two things. Um, I, I agree that I like the changes that they made last year, taking out those trees. I think that, you know, we were seeing a lot of players, hit really, really bad tee shots and get rewarded with a clear line to the green. And so those cha those uh, changes, taking out those trees eliminates that issue um, by, you know, making the fairway a little bit wider, a little bit of a better target to hit. But, you know, if you do miss the fairway, if you end up in trouble, you're not going to miss it so fat, so bad that you end up having a, a really good uh, angle into the green. Uh, almost to the extent that some players were probably aiming for that little alleyway um, for that angle. Um, and the other thing is, you know, you mentioned the, the, the mounds on the uh, right side of the green, <clears throat> you know, the, the slope of the fairway as you get down towards the green it is pretty severe as well. And it goes right into that pond. So it's not something you, you it's not a shot where you can, um, you know, run something low, up and, and roll it onto the green, um, you know, like you could maybe on other holes. Um, is that those those mounds that are a little further up in the fairway, 
um, especially if you, you get the, the wrong bounce off of those uh, roll straight into the pond that you mentioned uh, short of the green. So those are, those are two features of the hole that kind of dictate the strategy, uh, you know, as we're kind of thinking about how the players are going to approach this hole. Um, you know, I would say that the, the one place that the players will miss is short right of the green. Uh, you know, they'll have you know, relatively straightforward uh, pitch shots or chip, chip shots. Um, but it's, it's much harder when you have the pin location in, in the back back left. Yeah, I think if the pin's back left, I mean, players are really hoping to hit a ball to 30, 40, 50 feet and just get out of there with par. Whereas, you know, there's some more potential for a shot to end up close, even if it's on the fringe uh, of that, that pin's front right. Uh, one final note on number 11. In 1987, Larry Mize won the Masters. And one of the most famous moments in the history of the tournament is he chipped in for birdie from off the right side of the green. It was like an impossible chip and he holed it and ended up going on to win. And so I would... Fully recommend whoever, anyone who has not seen the clip of Larry Mize chipping in, Google it, check it out on YouTube. It is so, such a fun, his reaction is amazing. The chip was amazing. And I think that's one of the, one of the master's memories that stands out most to me on this hole. So, all right, we'll move on to number 12, Golden Bell. And Golden Bell is probably the most famous par three in the world, or one of the most famous par threes in the world. Uh, I think 17 at Sawgrass might have something to say about being the most famous in the world, but uh, this is an iconic hole. You know, you've got Ray's Creek, which is the tributary uh, that kind of runs right in front of this green here. And then you've got the bridge closest to us. And this image that we have on screen on the left side of the green is the Hogan Bridge. Uh, and there's, you know, the famous azaleas behind the green and the bunkers long. And this hole really is, I think, at the center of a lot of the drama uh, on at Amen Corner on the back nine of the Masters on a Sunday. Because players can hit some great shots and make birdie. And we've seen a lot of uh, large numbers and frank, frankly, complete disasters in this hole over the years. And I think this hole is only 155 yards. The green is, is, is very skinny, you know, so players really are trying to land it sort of between the front bunker and those back bunkers and just land on the strip and leave themselves the birdie putt. Um, so there's not a lot of place short and long to miss, but there is a lot of place left, a lot, a lot of space left and right for players to miss. So it's not like overtly speaking, if it's not the masters, if it's not Augusta national, if you took the hole exactly as it looks, it doesn't, seem that bad for the best players in the world but it's one of the most devious and kind of understated par threes in the world in the sense that the wind is always circulating all over the place in this hole so we mentioned down in the first nine episode that the wind at Augusta national especially in the par threes tends to swirl quite a bit and where this tee box is situated is very much an open air area but then there's trees behind you and these trees behind the green that's sort of blocky from completely feeling the wind so uh, i think a lot of players talk about how tricky it is to judge the wind there so you see some players hit pitching wedge you see some players hit eight irons or seven irons and they're trying to knock lower shots into the green and control the spin a little bit more and to me it's one of the most fun holes to watch because again players are consistently fooled by the wind here and i think back to the 2019 masters when tiger woods won he was one of the few people that took his medicine hit a shot between the bunkers to 35 feet on this hole on the final round and Francesco Molinari and Tony Finau, his two playing partners, both hit it in the water. Brooke Kepka ended up tying for second, and the group in front of him also hit it in the water. Uh, and it just shows that this is kind of the point where pressure is ratcheting up in the course. Uh, pressure is ratcheting up in the tournament, especially in the final round. Uh, as much as I hate to reminisce back on it, I think this whole I will always associate with Jordan Spieth, uh, my favorite player who 
you know, had a five shot lead at the masters coming into this hole in 2016 and uh, hit two balls in the water and made a quadruple bogey and ended up losing the masters by a few shots to Danny Willett. Uh, one of the more painful memories, but one that I will associate with this hole, uh, I think for the rest of rest of the time I watched the masters, you know, so uh, Caleb, I don't know if you have anything else to add here. I think this just is a really tricky hole. And I, I did hear actually one more thing I'll say, Caleb, before I turn it over to you, uh, a lot of players, because the wind feels like it's always swirling on this hole, they've realized that the wind moves the same direction on holes 10, 11, and 12. And if they can feel the wind up on the tee box at 10, where it's a higher elevation, they can kind of use that as a gauge for number 11 and number 12 as well. And so a lot of times, like players say, you can't even trust what you know, the gusts that will make you second guess your, your number or your club on number 12. You got to just trust what you, the wind direction you kind of measured up on 10 T, which is interesting interesting piece of course strategy there um so something to think about but Caleb I know that this is an awesome hole uh, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on it yeah you know this is the geographically speaking the lowest point on the golf course which is another reason probably why the the wind is so difficult to judge um in terms of hole strategy wise you know the that front front middle bunker is a not a, not a bad place to be at all. Um, you really, I mean, anything that's not in the water is, is a good place to be, but you, I would say you'd, you'd much rather want to be in that, that front bunker than in either of the back bunkers or in that back pine straw, which again, both of those places are better places to be than in the water, but, uh, especially depending on the, the pin location, um, you know, when you have that, especially the the right side pin location you hit it in the back bunkers you're gonna have a really really testy chip that you're really gonna have to control um control the distance on so that you don't end up hitting it uh, past the hole and down the hill and into the water on your second shot so you know those are things to keep in mind as, you, as you're watching players go through this hole um you know if they if they hit it long that second shot is going to be uh, a real tester, uh, and it's going to be uh, this hole. This hole is a, a a place where you're probably not going to win the Masters on this hole, but you can definitely lose the Masters on this hole. It, that that's pretty much how I would characterize it, um, and and you know I think that's one of the reasons that it's it's so uh, so interesting. Yeah, one final note here too. Like you mentioned, how much more accessible that left hand hole location is than the right hand hole location. On Sunday, they put that pin in kind of the middle front right of the green, and that just begs players to go at the pin. And as you can see on the right side of the green, there's no bunker to protect if you come up a little bit short, and that ball is rolling straight back into the water. So uh, it's definitely a pin that makes players look like a little bit of suckers uh, sometimes on, on, on Sunday. So that will be something to watch out, in particular on Sunday versus the other days, and you'll see the scoring probably get a good bit higher on Sunday on this hole than it does the rest of the week. Definitely. All right, moving on next to number 13, Azalea. Uh, famously, Sergio Garcia won the Masters in 2017, had a daughter right after the Masters, and named her Azalea in honor of this hole and his recent triumph uh, at the Masters that year. Uh, this hole is newly lengthened, so there's a big change to this hole, which we're going to get to in a moment. Uh, this is a really, really unique risk-reward par 5. Uh, and it, unfortunately, I think in a lot of ways, it's been diluted by the distance players are hitting the ball in recent years and Augusta National has made some changes this year to ensure the hole is sort of played the way it was originally meant to be played. Uh, so you're going to, 
you know, walk, you're, you're hitting a downhill tee shot kind of on an, off a tee box that's behind the 12th green. And you're going to be hitting it downhill. And there's a creek, a tributary from Ray's Creek that runs all the way up the left side of the hole. So you can't go left because you're in the woods in the creek. Uh, there's a little bit of space right. And the fairway all goes from right to left. So you hit your ball up on the right side of the fairway, it will tend to roll down a little bit. Um, but the only hard part about that is your second shot into this par five, which is reachable in two, will often happen with the ball way above your feet. So if you're in the right side of the fairway, uh, all of a sudden you're going to have to hit, you know, a mid to long iron, ideally with the ball way above your feet over water again, which circles around like up the left side of the hole and then just in front of the green. Um, so you have to carry your ball all the way up onto the green with the ball way above your feet. So very nerve wracking shot for players, especially with a longer club in your hands. Like I mentioned on number 10, if you can go as far left as possible on this hole without going into the water, you will get yourself the flattest lie possible. So there's definitely an advantage trying to play this hole down the left side as much as possible and sort of hug that tributary of Ray's Creek without actually going in it uh, to leave yourself the easiest approach shot. Um, this is a hole, unfortunately, that now players can sort of hit drivers up over the trees on the corner and sort of land their ball further down to the fairway. So in 2012, for example, Bubba Watson hit a sand wedge for a second shot into this green. And that's an extreme example because obviously he hits the ball really far compared to most players or did back then at least. But I think, you know, we're still seeing a trend where players are hitting eight iron, seven iron, six iron into this green instead of hitting six iron, five iron, four iron, three iron into this green. Um, so Augusta National basically bought some land from the adjacent Augusta Country Club uh, over this past year. And they basically moved the tee box back another 30 yards. They built a new tee box. And so the hope is that, you know, where players were hitting three woods before off the tee, now their drivers will go there. So it adds a little bit more risk into the hole for players. They can still lay back with three wood and have a longer shot into the green, or they can hit drivers and sort of have the same shot they would have had with three wood in years past. So I, for one, am super excited to see how this hole is changed. Because right now, as this stands, if you hit like a half decent tee shot, this holds like an automatic birdie. And again, Caleb, we talked about it. Like I complained about it when holes were too hard. I'm going to complain about it when the holes are too easy. You know, this is not, this hole has not in recent years balanced the risk reward of making bogey versus making birdie. And it can happen at any time to any player. Uh, it's been much more heavily weighted to making birdies. And again, it's a par five. It will still be one of the easiest holes in the course, but I am personally very excited to see how, uh, how well this, this plays this year with the longer tee box. Uh, the green still kind of remains the same. Obviously, you look at the, at the visual here, you really can't go long. Being any of those bunkers beyond the green is not a good spot to be. Uh, it's a downhill chip that runs directly towards the water, and players will often hit it from the bunker into the water. So that is definitely something to avoid. Um, there's kind of a shelf in the back right-hand portion of this green as well where they can put a pin. And that's maybe a pin where you'll see some players be okay with laying up because it's a less delicate wedge shot because they have some space to work with and they can get a wedge back on the proper ridge there. Uh, in a way that they can if they're hitting like a little flip wedge, you know, from 20 to 50 yards. Um, so that could be a potential rationale for players laying up. But again, for the most part, I think you'll see players still go for the green and two here. Or just they'll have slightly longer clubs in and have to contend with the slopes as the hole is designed a bit more. Uh, Caleb, anything to add here on 13? Yeah, I've got a couple things. Um, first, I just wanted to highlight how much different this is going to play. Um, you mentioned, Drew, that it's uh, 35 yards back, the tee box is. Um, you know, they're going to be hitting their tee shots from what used to be the ninth fairway at Augusta Country Club. Um, you know, uh, we're going to, a little uh, uh, 
sneak preview. We're going to have a episode coming out uh, in the relatively near future talking about the, the distance debate in golf. And, and this is one of the consequences of that. We'll, we'll address that in, in our future podcast. But um, one of my favorite shots from this hole is uh, Phil Mickelson in 2010. The, the, year, the year he won, he, uh, he had his tee shot in, into the woods. Uh, he, was a, he was in the pine straw, <clears throat> looked completely screwed. And he had a, a gap of about five feet between two trees. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't remember what club he had. I don't remember the yardage, but it was a, it was a pretty long ways away out of the pine straw. And he just absolutely smashed it to about five feet. And it was one of the most epic shots that I've seen in a master's tournament. Um, you know, it goes honestly right up there with that Bubba Watson shot that we talked about earlier in my book, uh, both from lefties, ironically, um, and both from now live guys also, ironically. Um, and to add, to add even more irony to this conversation, uh, Phil missed the eagle putt. <laughs> so that was a, a tragic sequence of events, and and that's probably why the the shot isn't as remembered as it is, um, because he missed that putt. <clears throat> but I, I I totally agree with you, Drew, on uh, you know holes being too easy or, or too hard. And I think my my biggest com complaint with that is not necessarily like what it plays in relation to par. Is it too far or too uh or too high or too low compared to par it's you know is there a difference in how well players play the hole do players who hit good shots score better than the players who hit bad shots and, and like you said drew it's starting to become uh an automatic birdie if you just get your ball in the right place off the tee and you know i'm I'm on record, at least in our conversations, as as being very much against that uh, at at the first hole at Riviera. Um, not being a super big fan of just automatic birdies if you uh, are just in the fairway. Um, I think that's a little bit uh, too low of a bar to to, to hop over. Um, so hopefully that this lengthening of the of the tee, even uh, you know, as unfortunate as that is that they had to do that. Um, hopefully that that will add a little bit more drama back to this hole, you know, elevate it back to, you know, one of the best par fives in golf that it, that it, that it is, that it was, um, and that it will be, um, and, and a great finish to, um, the amen corner, Drew, I'm not really sure where you're getting amen from. You're the only person I've ever heard call it amen corner. Um, but a, a great finish to, to, to amen corner. I'm shocked that I'm the only person you've ever heard pronounced it that way. Clearly, you haven't spent much time in Pennsylvania, Caleb. I'll put it that way. This uh, is true. I, I am a Southern boy. Exactly. And I, I can't claim to be one. So I uh, got Northeastern blood here, Caleb. So well, I'll, the, I'll stick to my on-man corner. Thanks. That, that's fair enough. The only thing I'll add to this, this uh, point in the conversation is that we are playing this tournament in Augusta, Georgia. So... Duly noted, for sure. Very fair. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the purpose of the changes, like you mentioned, Caleb, is for players to actually have to think about the second shot. And I think even, like you mentioned, the, the primary consideration of it's like, is this hole going to make 
players who had good shots and well-executed shots perform, you know, noticeably better than those who don't. This hole doesn't separate those out. I'm hoping that the extra distance will make it so because players who think too much about a shot and don't execute uh, or players who think through a shot very smartly and then execute it, like the result is just going to be different there in a way that we haven't seen in the last 10 years. So I'm, I'm, I, for one, again, not happy they had to add the extra T, um, but uh, that's a conversation for another time, but very happy and excited about the prospect of this whole taking on a new level of significance in the way that we see with number 15, which I think we'll get to uh, in, in a few minutes here. But moving on to number 14, uh, Caleb, you and I both mentioned this is one of those holes that I think gets a little bit forgotten amongst all the other iconic holes in the back nine. And I think it's because there's no bunkers in this hole at all. Uh, there's no water in this hole. It is just grass in front of you. And it's a relatively straight hole. Um, you know, the fairway does move a little bit off to the left and the greens off to the left, but the fairway basically all pitches from left to right. So the fairway is all sloped down towards the trees on the right side. Uh, this is one of those holes where going left really doesn't work for players. The trees are a little bit more dense over there. Um, the only person I can think of successfully navigating those left trees was Tiger Woods in 2019 when he won and hit his tee shot left there on the second day. Um, but that's not really the spot you want to miss this hole. I know I listened to a great interview with Mark Leishman's caddy and basically his big note every single year in the yardage book on this hole is do not hit it left in under any circumstance. Uh, and I think that probably can be more broadly extrapolated into this green is really the defense of this hole. This green is super severe. As you can see in the visual we have on screen, that giant ridge that flags on top of is a huge false front. And so anything short of that will be repelled all the way back down to the front of green and even rolled potentially off the front of the green, leaving you with a really hard chip or pot back up that ridge. Uh, so players want to avoid that as much as possible. And the reality is the only way to avoid that and to stay on top of that ridge without going over the green um, or being short of it is by being able to control the spin. So I know Patrick Reed, who won the Masters in 2018. I remember listening to an interview with him once and he talked all about, he's like, 14 is a hole that's not talked about enough. You know, you have to hit the fairway there. You have to be playing from the fairway to control the spin enough to get a shot that even stays on the green, uh, let alone gets close to the hole at all. So uh, as much as I dislike Patrick Reed, that's really good advice, I think, on this hole. Uh, and he is a Masters champion and has a green jacket to show for it. So who am I to argue with, with that? But again, I don't think there's a lot to say here. Uh, it's not a super exciting hole, but it is a hole. Again, Caleb, it's, it's not a hole where you win the Masters. You know, people aren't making birdies here to clinch the green jacket for the most part. But I think it is a hole where you can lose the Masters because, you know, critical bogey, bogeys in this hole at the middle of the back nine. Uh, not really what you want to see uh, as you're kind of trying to hunt down the leaders or maintain a lead. Uh, and this is a hole that I think players probably forget about i think fans forget about it um but i think if you don't hit the fairway it, it can sneak up on you <clears throat> yeah not much to add drew um uh, did we mention that it was chinese fur I, I don't think i mentioned that yeah the uh the flower here is uh is chinese fur so you're, you're good caleb nothing additional to add there on uh, on 14 yeah no, nothing else drew yeah covered it sounds good all right, we will move on now to number 15, Firethorn. And 15 is one of the most iconic holes in the course. I'm sure those of you that are watching on YouTube or looking at the video feed on Spotify see this hole and recognize it almost immediately. Um, there's a ton that can happen here. I think this hole, probably better than almost any other hole in the course, again, balances that risk reward of like 
if you execute a really, really good shot, you, you have a shot at Eagle. You know, there have been albatrosses made on this hole as well. Gene Sarazen, one of the most famous golfers of all time, made an albatross in the second ever Masters in 1935 on this hole. And they called it the shot heard around the world. Golf's version of the shot heard around, shot heard around the world. And uh, Gene Sarazen actually hold out from the fairway for an albatross. But on the other end of the spectrum, in 2018, <laughs> Sergio Garcia, the defending champion, made a 13 on this hole, which is the highest score ever recorded on this hole. But there have also been three 11s throughout the course of the Masters recorded on this hole. And that's because they're, you know, the fairway is, is, is out in front of you. So you're, you're teeing off. The whole hole is slightly downhill. Um, so you're teeing off. And if you really hit anything on the right half of the fairway, you're going to have a clear shot to the green. You'll have a chance to hit the green in two with a long iron, normally potentially hybrid or wood, depending on how far back you are and how soft or firm the course is. Uh, but the green is very reachable for the far majority of players in the field. Not really a problem if you're in the right side of the fairway. If you are on the left side of the fairway, there are some dips over there and there are some trees that kind of grow out into the side of the fairway that can block you out. So there are some great videos of players hitting huge hooks around those trees up onto the green. It's not a shot most players want to hit, though. They can avoid it. So going left off the tee here is not ideal. Again, you're not going to be in trouble necessarily. You can still hit a clean layup most of the time from over there if you're not going to go for the green in two. But again, anything down that right side is an absolute go zone, and there's not too much trouble on the right side of this hole. Um, and again, even on the left side, it's, it's uh, you know, you, you can still have a safe layup and not be too concerned about that. Um, where this hole really gets tricky, I think, is the third shot. Second shot, if you're going for the green, third shot, if you've laid up and then kind of putting. So there is a pond short of the screen. Then there's basically a fairway that runs off the green straight into the pond. So if you come up short, you're going to hit the hill, roll back into the water. If you go beyond the green, there is a big closely mown fairway area behind the green that the ball will roll down. And behind that, there is another pond. So if a, if a ball is coming in with too much speed, it will bounce off the back of the green, roll down the slope into the water on the far side. If your ball is a little bit short, catches the front of the green, sort of doesn't quite get up there and rolls all the way back down, you're going to be in the water short of the green. Um, so it's a it's an approach shot where your distance has to be very precise as far as how far you're actually carrying the ball. Um, and it can be pretty firm sometimes too when you're coming in with a longer club, which we mentioned on number four when we talked about the first nine. Um, so that, that is another thing just to consider with the approach shot here is sometimes it can be hard to hold that green all the way. Uh, one thing I'll mention too, if you do decide to lay up, it's a really hard layup because the, 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 the hill goes all the way downhill right in the, in the good layup area. The hill goes all the way down straight into that water in that pond short of the green. So even if you are successful in your layup, you're going to have like a 50 to 100 yard wedge shot off a severe downslope over water with more water behind the green. And the green's also pretty severely sloped from back to front. Uh, so it's not really a wedge shot that I'm licking my chops to hit anytime soon. So I think if I ever played Augusta National, regardless of where I hit my tee shot, I'm going for the green in two because I don't want to hit that wedge shot uh, from the downslope just short of the green. But this is one of those holes where, again, like there are birdies out here. As a player stepping up to the tee, you expect to birdie this hole. But, uh, you know, you can ask Sergio Garcia's five balls in the water uh, in the first round in, in 2018 how, uh, how, easy, how, how much easier that is said than done. So, Caleb, I love this hole. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, this is really this, the start of that finishing stretch. First, the, you know, three holes to go after this one. Um, you know, it's 
the last, I mean, you can score on 16, but, you know, 15 is your big chance to, to make Eagle. If you have a few shots to make up coming down the stretch, um, there's no real guarantee to, to score the rest of the way. Um, so it's a, it's a, a pressure packed hole, uh, even though it is, um, you know, a reachable par five, one that you can eagle and, and, and birdie. Um, some some things to note. You mentioned the the water long. Um, some some of those chips coming back from long of the green, that that fairway area, um, which is really uh, more belongs to sixteen than it does to fifteen. Um, those are some really interesting chips because. You know, players don't want to uh, – they don't want their ball to have too much speed when it lands on the green. So a lot of times they'll try and hit it up into that that slope uh, and, and slow the ball down that way, um, which either, you know, they're going to hit it really well and, and, and perfectly and it's going to be really impressive and, and, you know, really aesthetically pleasing shot to watch. Um, or they're not going to hit it far enough and it's not going to make it up that hill all the way and it'll come back down uh, towards their feet or they'll hit it too hard. And then they risk going over the green and into the other, uh, other side of the, of the water there. So that chip shot could be really interesting. Um, cause it, cause it is going, you know, the, you mentioned you're, you know, you're, you're hitting uh, with the slope of the green, which is, is not what you want. Um, the other thing I'll, I'll mention is that, you know, they, they moved the tee box back last year and there was a lot of hope that it would bring back a lot of the decision back into this hole. Um, you know, like we talked about with, with 13, where there's a little bit of a strategy in your tee shot and your second shot of whether to lay up, to go for it. Um, they tried to bring a little bit of that back to 15. Um, however, you know, there was, there was some mixed reports uh, coming back after four rounds last year. It'll be interesting to see, you know, if, what it looks like after another four rounds this year. Um, I think that the main complaint that I heard and that I think I agree with is that they didn't give themselves any option to move the tee back up. Um, so it played relatively, um, rel relatively boring uh, in terms of the, the tee shot. There's not really much strategy in the tee shot and there's not really much strategy in the second shot. Um, because like you said, Drew, there, there's it laying up is, is not really uh, a play here on this hole. Um, pretty much every player is going to go for it. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see if, if they make any changes this year any any subtle changes um, and, and to see how it plays uh, this year compared, compared to last and, and uh, th these past two years, compared to uh, previously. Yeah, that's a good point, Caleb. And I think especially given that there are some changes made to the 13th hole that we just talked about, it's interesting to bring up the sort of feedback from 15. I would say that, you know, the reaction we saw in 15 where, you know, not really that much of a change necessarily, and maybe it makes the teacher a little bit more boring. I don't think, I think, I think there's more room for the change to make a material difference on a hole like 13 and there was on 15 ever, right? Because I think 15 always a higher variance hole, always balancing that risk reward more than 13 was. Um, so I, I'm, I'm like, it's interesting to hear you say that, uh, but I am 
confident that the changes on 13 will be better received than they are in 15 in a lot of ways. Just given that there's more room for that whole, I think, to improve as far as that balancing point. Whereas you could argue that you didn't even need to move the tee back on 15, I think. You can make that argument. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I totally agree. I, I think, you know, 13 is going to play a lot better. And, uh, you know, Scotty has, has played there. Rory has played there. And the early returns are very positive on 13. And I, I've got a lot of high hopes on 13. I, I think it will play uh, that will have a, a very different effect than, than it had this had on 15. Um, I, I'm, I'm just curious to, to see what options uh, Augusta National will give themselves for the T placement on 15 if they have made any right. adjustments since last year. Yeah. One thing I realized that I neglected to mention on 13th hole, and Caleb, you and I were talking about this earlier, uh, but I learned the craziest fact about the 13th hole the other day, and I just I think this is nuts. So when you're teeing off on 13, you're basically teeing off right next to the woods, so you're hitting out like a shoot in the woods. And so on the left side, the woods kind of go right alongside where players are actually hitting out of the shoot. And there are some branches that Augusta National has rigged up to cables on that left side. So when you play practice rounds, they have the cable pulled all the way back. So the, the branches are basically straight up in the air and out of the way when you're teeing off. And then when the tournament starts, they loosen the cable a little bit. So the branches come down just a tiny bit into your line of play. So you might practice and you might be hitting balls over the corner at 13 over and over again in your practice round. And then you get there and there's this phantom branch that was not there the day before. Um, when you were practicing for the tournament, you show up on the first day of the tournament and all of a sudden they lower these branches into your lines. So that's just one of the little ways that Augusta National, I mean, that, that is the most, Caleb, you said it before, that is the most Augusta National thing I could possibly imagine. <laughs> that's like, the, <laughs> I mean, of course they would do that. Um, but I think that's also so cool and just illustrates like one of the really unique things about this tournament being run by the members of a club, basically, as opposed to kind of a governing body organization like you see in some of the other major championships. So there's a lot more flexibility to attach cables to tree limbs and make them movable um, from the line of play or, or not. So that's just one thing I wanted to mention on 13 before we progress over to 16. But uh, I, lo I love that story, Caleb. I really do. I think that's a I can't believe I'd never heard of that until today. That is just crazy. Yeah, that it is very on brand for Augusta National. And I'm just imagining a bunch of uh, members going out to, to Home Depot and getting ladders and, uh, you know, doing a, a homemade, a homemade, uh, rigging of, of those branches. That, that's too classic. It's awesome stuff, man. It's awesome. All right. Here we are on number 16. Also one of the most iconic holes of the course. Number 16's flower is red bud. Um, so 16, only 170 yards. So again, the par threes aren't crazy long here at Augusta. I think just the greens are so severe um that's kind of the defense of the course in a lot of ways but i think that it's not it's not long par threes that are driving the yardage of the course uh, this is hole is probably most famous for tiger woods famous chip in at the 2005 masters which i'm sure almost everyone has seen a clip of at some point in time but that was a shot when tiger was basically long left of the green sort of back where that back where that tree is kind of in the sun in the, in the sunlight and right next to that bunker and like the middle right portion of, of the screen you can see right now uh, and he had a big chip that he had to go like put up on the hill and it rolled all the way back down. And basically the Nike logo on his ball stopped on camera, like right in front of the, at the edge of the hole for a second and then dropped in. So it was like the perfect Nike ad ever um, at a time when Nike golf was still very much trying to break into the club and ball business. That was probably the best thing they could have possibly asked for from a marketing standpoint, but uh, that's probably the most famous moment on this hole. But 
there are a lot of them. So this whole, not a super long par three, uh, this view that we're looking at it from now is from the right side of the green, looking across to the left side. Uh, and so you can see left of the screen, there uh, is a pond. So uh, there is a, actually a practice round tradition where players will go down to the front of the pond after hitting their practice shots. They'll try and take a long club and skip a ball across the green or across the water and bounce it up onto the green. So obviously no one's going to try that in the tournament, but that is a fun practice round tradition at Augusta National every year. But uh, this hole, the green slopes pretty severely from right to left, kind of everything sloping down towards the water. Uh, so hole locations that are on the left on the left side are very accessible because players can hit the ball up on the hill and have the ball feed down right into the left side hole location. Just like we saw in number six in the front nine video, you know, there's a lot there's a lot of similarities in some ways between number six and numbers six and sixteen in that the greens are sort of uh, shaped similarly. Uh, and like number six, there's also kind of a shelf on the right hand side of the screen where they'll put the pin typically for at least one of the days of the event. And that one's a little bit harder to access because if you go on the left side, you know, you've got a 35, 40 foot putt back up the hill to get it on top of that shelf. Uh, but if you can control your iron enough to kind of keep it on the green on top of that shelf on the right side, that's a great birdie. Um, but you'll typically see that the, this the scores on number 16 be a lot lower on days when the pin is down on the left side. Uh, typically on Sunday, they put the pin on 16 at like the foot of the hill, basically right in the funnel, like I mentioned on number seven in the first nine video. And so you see a lot of people make hole in ones on Sunday at Augusta on this hole. It's like one of the, one of the, you know, anecdotally, definitely one of the highest kind of hole in one rates on any hole on tour, really, because I feel like you see a lot of them here. Uh, and you see a lot of players hitting the ball close and making birdies. So they set it up nicely for some drama at the end of the tournament, for sure. Um, you can miss right here, obviously better than left because left is water, but even missing right, again, you're going to have a really speedy chip downhill kind of back towards the water. So I think players, the biggest thing is you got to just got to hit the green here. And if the pin is left and you hit the middle of the green, you're going to have a great look at birdie. The pin's right, hit the middle of the green. You'll have a longer look at birdie, but uh, trying to get your par and get out of there. Uh, Caleb, I don't know if you have anything additional to add here about 16. No, Drew, I think that was pretty thorough. Um, some great moments here at 16. Definitely the the height the height of the drama uh, before we get to seventeen and eighteen. One hundred percent, yeah. Sixteen, sixteen is probably the last like really great birdie chance, depending on the pin. You know, you mentioned fifteen is kind of like the one, last hole you like have to birdie, and I totally agree with that. But I think sixteen is the last hole where you're like, okay, birdie is really in play here um, before you get to the last two. So. All right, we'll move on to 17. 17 is a par four, 440 yards, and it is known as Nandina. Uh, so Caleb and I were joking at the start of this episode that we think numbers 14 and 17 might be the same hole uh, because we've never seen them in the same place at the same time, and they look really similar. And the reality is they're a little bit different. The green on 17 is a little bit less severe than it is on number 14. Um, and there are some bunkers, which you don't have at all on 14. Uh, but regardless, they're both relatively straight, holes just kind of lined with trees on either side nothing particularly unique about them or anything super characteristic about them that makes them stand out at least relative to other holes at augusta national this hole used to have a bit more character there used to be a tree that was basically the most famous tree in golf that was sort of in like the middle of the fairway on this hole called the eisenhower tree uh former resident dwight d eisenhower was a noted golf fanatic he was a member at Augusta National, and he hit that tree so many times when he played there, and he petitioned club leaders to take out the tree so many times 
that they started affectionately calling it Ike's Tree in honor of, of you know, Eisenhower's nickname, Ike. And uh, unfortunately, in 2014, I believe, uh, there was an ice storm in Augusta, Georgia that damaged uh, the Eisenhower tree enough to actually make Augusta National have to remove it, which is a huge bummer. So I think this whole used to have a bit more character when that was around, but it's gone now. Uh, the reality is in this hole, again, pretty straight tee shot. It's one of those ones where you're going to have to hit the fairway to control your approach shot into the green. Uh, there are bunkers to the left of the green and short of the green. And there's a big slope kind of in the back right-hand portion of the green uh, with a false front in the front right-hand portion of the green. So this is honestly a hole where the middle of the green, as you can see, we got a great view of the green here on this, on the visual portion of this, uh, on this hole. And I think you can see, like, if you hit the ball in the middle of the screen, you'll probably be okay. And the reality is if you can keep the ball in the middle of the screen, uh, you're more likely to be able to do that from the fairway. So it's an important one. I, I remember when Tiger Woods was up by two shots after birdieing 16, 2019 Masters. I think everyone was really nervous that he would somehow blow it on the way in and not, you know, uh, kind of complete this longstanding comeback that he'd had from his injury issues in golf. And, uh, you know, when he hit the fairway on 17, I felt like the announcers seemed to take a bit of a collective breath of, of relief, a sigh of relief, because, again, hitting the fairway here, um, as long as you hit the green in the middle of the green, and stay away from that false front on the front right and the bunkers in the middle and on the left side of the green. Uh, it's not one that's going to kind of keep you up at night the way some of the greens out here will. So, Caleb, I don't know if you have anything additional to add on, on 17. Again, not a hole with a ton going on. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, in some ways a perfect bridge from uh, aiming corner uh, and 15 and 16 to 18, which is a, a pretty tough finishing hole. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a good good way to describe it as a bridge. I'm actually seeing here that 17 was the fifth hardest hole in the 2018 Masters, which kind of surprises me. Um, and again, that might have to do more with wind direction in that specific event. But uh, I always think of 17 as being sort of between 16 and 18 as far as difficulty goes, just like you, you mentioned. So uh, without further ado, we will bounce to the last hole of Augusta National, the 18th hole. Uh, I think this angle, this picture is probably not the best one actually to sort of explain how this hole works and what makes it so hard, because from here, it looks pretty easy. Uh, obviously you got a lot of space around the green. The fairway looks pretty ample going down that right side there to the right hand of that, of that leaderboard. Uh, but the reality is the tee shot in this hole is so tight. Um, and so we mentioned players hit through shoots at Augusta national a number of times kind of coming out of tee boxes. This is the most, uh, this is the, the most daunting shoot of them all. I think it's the tightest one. Uh, and, you know, like I've heard so many players and caddies talk about the fact cannot even be a little bit right or a little bit left off that tee because there's so many overhanging tree branches that you might catch and your ball is going to go nowhere. Hey, hey, that, uh, that it just it, it kind of a little, tense up a little bit. What's that? Sorry, we uh, it, it froze a little bit. So just go back to when you were talking about the the uh tee shot okay sounds good in this tee shot at 18 is one of the hardest tee shots in the entire course because you are hitting out of such a tight shoot and you're basically hitting through a wall of trees on either side that if your ball is either a little bit right or a little bit left it can very easily catch one of those trees and drop down like 100 yards in the tee box instead of the intended you know 250 to 280 yard shot off the hole 
Um, you're basically hitting out towards there's there's bunkers right at the corner of the dog legs. So the whole dog legs a little bit off to the right once you land in the fairway. Um, and there are bunkers that players generally try and hit it just short of to get, leave themselves the best angle up the hill into the 18th green. There's a deep bunker short of the 18th green, and there's a deep bunker to the right of the green, um, which, uh, you know, Colin Morikawa and Rory McIlroy were both in that bunker on the 18th hole in the 2022 Masters, and they both hold out their bunker shots, uh, which was remarkable because that is one of the hardest up and downs on this entire green. But that was a very special Masters moment, and I, I enjoyed watching them do that back-to-back last year. Um, but if you go a little bit right, you know, there's some big magnolia trees over off to the right side of this hole, which you can see next to the scoreboard in the visual here. And, you know, if you're down in kind of the mulch and pine straw beneath those trees and those branches hang super low, it's just gonna be really hard to get out of there. I remember when Sergio Garcia won the Masters, Justin Rose, unfortunately, hit it over in those magnolia trees and was not able to get out of them in a fashion that would help him actually win the Masters that year uh, in the playoff with Sergio. So, this is a tough hole. Uh, the approach shot in this green is not that bad if you can hit the fairway. You know, it plays a little bit uphill. There's that bunker short, but the green is pretty, unlike most of the greens at Augusta National, which tend to be very wide, but not super deep. This is uh, more of a, it's, it's relatively skinny green, but it's very deep. So there's a lot of, you know, room for players to miss long or miss short um, of the pin, you know, depending on where it is in the green and uh, still have a chance to, you know, make par. Uh, the one thing I'd say is you really don't want to miss long on this hole. I remember in 2015, Jordan Spieth hit it long on the last hole on Saturday. And all the announcers were like, oh, my gosh, he's got this big lead. But that's like the only place he can't hit it on this hole. Like, I don't know what he's going to do now. And he hit like an amazing chip shot up to a few feet and had like a tap end par. And that was he he later described that as a big momentum saver for him as he moved into what would ultimately be his first major win and his Masters win in 2015. Um, because he knew how hard of a shot it was to actually get that ball up and down. So if players can keep it below the hole, again, we've heard that a lot today, but if players keep it below the hole on 18, um, the green's not crazy severe. There's one big ridge in the middle of it. Um, so if the pin's back, you want to get it on that back ridge as much as you can without going long. Um, and if the pin's up front, it's a, it's a pretty accessible hole location because you've got some room behind it to sort of use that ridge to your advantage. Um, and uh, there's a ridge in the front too that also feeds into that sort of middle hole location. So on Sunday, they'll kind of put the ball right in between the two ridges. So whether a little bit long or a little bit short, you can sort of feed one in there and, and hopefully make a birdie. So they definitely set up the course. I think looking at the – talking about the hole locations on this back nine, Caleb, uh, I think we can definitely see how the course is set up for um, set up for fireworks and for drama and for players to make birdies and, and make a run at the championship come Sunday. Yeah, for sure. This hole is, is um, not anything super special visually when you first look at it, but – you know, once you start seeing players play through it, you realize how special it really is as a finishing hole. Um, and you, really the, the best hope that you can have is to have a big enough lead that you can four putt it and still win the tournament on Sunday afternoon. That's uh, something for, for some context. That's what Scotty Sheffler did last year. He was uh, far enough ahead that he literally four putted the last hole and made double bogey. And uh, and still won by what two three shots three shots I think something yeah. like that yeah yeah so <laughs> he he played some great golf last year but I would say that uh, not a lot of winners have had the luxury of being able to double eighteen and and still win the Masters so uh, regardless uh, thank you guys for joining us I mean we love talking about Augusta National again the Masters is up there as one of the favorite tournaments of pretty much every golf fan and I think. Uh, 
the Masters really inspired us in a lot of ways to start this podcast. You know, we talked about, you know, people watching golf at Augusta National enjoy it so much more than most other weeks throughout the year because they have context for the course, because they know the holes, because they have an idea of what to expect and where the good places to hit it are and the bad places to hit it are. And, you know, our hope is that with a tournament that a lot of people know a lot about already, we were able to accentuate some of that knowledge you already have and share some, maybe some fun stories that go along with it, but also, you know, provide some more insight into maybe why, uh, you know, some places are okay to miss and others are not. So that was our goal with this. Uh, as always, please let us know if we did a good job of that. Please rate and review our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, feel free to reference the video feature on Spotify or check out our YouTube channel uh, throughout Masters Week to get a look at the course, our review of the course. If you're trying to scramble the night before to get an idea of what to expect on Tuesday or on Thursday morning when the tournament starts, uh, you know, check us out on YouTube or on Spotify or anywhere else you get your podcasts. But uh, Caleb, any closing thoughts on Augusta National? I mean, there's there's a lot. There's not a lot out there that hasn't already been said about about this course, but uh, it truly is one of the best. So, anything to close us out here? Yeah, just uh, really excited for this tournament this year. You know, we've got a lot of players that are uh, peaking at the right time. You know, um, <clears throat> Rory and and Scotty are 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 you know coming off really good performances at the the Dell Match Play, and John Rahm has been on on quite a heater this year and top three players in the world are, are uh, truly separating themselves and um, but not far behind them are, are some other great players that are really playing well. So this is uh, setting up to be a, a great masters and um, it, it's always a great tournament because of the course. But I think this year, especially there's, there's lots of uh, drama that's going to be had throughout the beginning of the week. And we'll talk about some of that and um, some of our other episodes. If you haven't already checked out, our uh, preview and, and fantasy game show that's out on uh, Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts as well. Uh, we'll have some general commentary on the, the tournament. Some of the, we'll go through some of the history of the tournament itself and some of the um, you know, great years and, and great uh, winners that this tournament has seen over the years. Uh, so be sure to check that episode out as well. Um, but other than that, I don't really have anything else. Um, Enjoy the enjoy the tournament and happy Masters Week. <laughs>